Pittsburgh Steeler fans, welcome back to another episode of the Scobro Show. This is behind the steel curtain editor Dave Schofield coming at you. It is Tuesday night. It is, oh my goodness, it's 9.40. But as a Steelers fan, if you still have the energy, if you're still not um, tired from, from being up watching that game last night, where else would you rather be right now? And with me, as always, except when he's not, is my big brother Rich. Rich, how are you tonight? Wait, Rich, Rich, where are you? Yeah, that's right. This is why we're starting a little bit late. Rich will actually be here in just a few minutes. He um, does, um, I don't know if it's called play-by-play or whatever, um, announcing of college basketball at the at the school where, where he works. And they had a doubleheader tonight, uh, both men's and women. And the first game went to overtime, and the second game went to double overtime. That's why we got pushed back a little bit, and he's actually going to be jumping in here any minute now. But until he does, I'm going to go ahead and hit up the Steelers news, so that way that could be done, because Rich doesn't like to talk about that anyway. He's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, Steelers news is, hey, they won. Uh, Yeah, it was 24 hours ago that the Steelers were playing. So that's the news. Um, that's not all the news because in less than 12 hours of from doing his or right around 12 hours of doing his post-game press conference, Steelers head coach Mike Tomlin was doing his press conference for the for the next game because that's the quick turnaround with playing on Monday night. The the there's no rest for the weary, and according to Coach Tomlin, he had no rest. He did not sleep and before he was there for the press conference because they've got to get ready to face the Atlanta Falcons. But he addressed the media that was there because there was a portion of the media that were not, weren't back in Pittsburgh from being um, in Indy the night before. And uh, Coach Tomlin you know, did his thing, laid everything out. He mentioned Najee Harris as the injury. So this is one that a lot of people were wondering about. And it was that there was no new update based on on the 12 hours since coach Tomlin had spoken. And uh, we might have to give him a minute to catch his breath. Wait, see what I did there? I have to give him a minute minute to catch his breath. But joining me now from his office is my big brother, Rich. Rich, how's it going tonight? And Rich doesn't have his microphone. (laughs) I had him set up perfectly, and there he was. And now he's got to unmute it, and we should hopefully be good to go with Rich really soon. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Um, I might be able to unmute you here, brother. How about it? There it is. There it is. Brother, so I have to ask, did it go to triple overtime, or was it just double overtime? Double overtime. So double header tonight. Yeah. Uh, the women's game, we actually got started 10 minutes early. I'm like, oh, this will be good. The women's game went one overtime. Mm-hmm. Switch over to the men's game. The men's game goes two overtimes. And um, I'm going to give a shout out real quick to head referee for the men's game, Kyle. Um, yes. Same name as my son. Uh, oh, I, thought for- it, I thought it was your son. No, no. <laughs> Okay. No. Yeah. Kyle, whose address, who lives in Pittsburgh, his physical address is actually Pittsburgh, PA. Uh huh. And I told him we couldn't have overtime tonight because of the podcast, which then before the game, we're sitting there talking Steelers. 
mm-hmm. and he proceeded to give me two overtimes. Oh, um, but the, the big question is, did did it come through? Did they win? The women's game that went to one overtime, uh, we lost by two. Mm-hmm. The men's game that went to two overtimes, we won by three. And most importantly, Monday Night Football, the Pittsburgh Steelers won by seven. But Rich, how oh, are you see, doing tonight? Now that I gave you a, a minute to catch oh, your breath, how's it going? I am breathing <laughs> barely, but I do have the sweet smell of victory. Uh, yes. It has been a whirlwind of five, six days here for us. As yes, same here. And um, yeah, um, I might catch up to myself here in about, I don't know, another week. Um, just felt like my hair has been on fire. Yeah, today was was like the first day that my family got back to a normal routine after the holiday. My son was sick before and, and missed school, but before Thanksgiving and just everything with uh, being out of town. For those of you that may or may not have known, um, that the, we, we had a we had a, a death in the family. Want to give a give a give a shout out to, to 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 Nancy. May she rest in peace. Her obituary even said how she was a Steelers fan. It's uh, it's her son, our brother in law, who I share my season tickets with. Um, uh, that was the funeral that we we had yesterday. A lot going on there, but I made it back in time for the game. Um, you were you were pulling off your knee jerk reactions. I tell you what, if you're going to have to stay up late to watch the Pittsburgh Steelers play, because that's I mean we're East Coast, that's what we do. Yep, it's so much better when it's a win. <laughs> oh yeah, so yeah. much better when it's a win. So yeah, yeah. Uh, Dave. Mm-hmm. My day has been such a whirlwind, so I'm depending on you for the news. Yeah, I I had started the news. I said about Coach Tomlin's press conference. (laughs) There's no update on Najee Harris. The only other news today was the Steelers made a move with the practice squad. They brought back Reynolds Wren, a defensive tackle, who they released last week when they signed Master Teague. They they brought him back and released one of the wide receivers on on the practice squad, Josh Malone. Um, that's been it. Otherwise, you know, it was players day off. They were away. Usually, you know, you get some more news and transactions, but being the morning after a game, um, nothing's, nothing's really out there. No injury updates. Coach Tomlin did mention some other players. Apparently Minka Fitzpatrick was not available, um, in, in the post-game press conference or for, or for a post-game press conference in the locker room after the game, because he was being evaluated. Now they didn't say for what, I, I don't know. Sometimes you think, Oh, when they miss, when they miss a press conference, it's because it's a concussion, but that they didn't say that they didn't say that's what it was for. They just said he was, he was being evaluated for something. Um, he was one that was mentioned. Oh, let's see. Who were the other ones? TJ Watt, Larry Ogunjobi, and Miles Jack were all mentioned as guys that were, you know, kind of bumps and bruises, dealing with stuff. You know, Larry O's been missing practices here and there for, for various things. TJ Watt obviously coming back from the injury. Miles Jack, um, well, that was the New Orleans game where he didn't even play a snap, right? Because the yes. one we where he was active but didn't play at all, so he's coming back from injury. So those are just some guys that they're monitoring and playing on Monday. I have a feeling they're not going to they're not going to practice tomorrow. And Coach Tomlin even said they might adjust how they do practice to better accommodate some of those people. So that tells me they're not going to have an overly 
physical practice on Wednesday. It's going to be more of a mental practice on Wednesday, um, which is probably better for them. That's the whole reason for for our for the name of our podcast tonight. I said the Steelers need a short stack after a big win in Indy. And although I, you know, I'm not talking about pancakes. What do I mean by a short stack? Mm, pancakes. Pancakes sounds good. Sorry, I haven't had dinner. <laughs> yeah, I haven't had dinner yet. I, I had a feeling. Um, I mean, on a short week, can they stack a win? That's what I'm ultimately looking to go with that one. They've yep. got the win in Indy. And the reason it's a big win, any win this year for the Steelers is a big win. Any any win this year for the Steelers is a big win. But this, this one was so big. Do you know that the Steelers went from being one-and-a-half-point underdogs to now one-and-a-half-point road favorites against Atlanta next week? Amazing what a win on the road in prime time can do for your line. Yeah, well, not only that. But, um, <laughs> uh, so, sorry, uh, someone said that, uh, that, that you can't uh, shave the stash if the Steelers win again. <laughs> sorry. Um, that uh, Kenny Pickett, and I'll have this article out tomorrow, his PFF score, if you're, if you're on social media or anything at all, was through the roof this week. Now, he had no touchdowns. He only had 176. Eight. Was it eight? I you know what? I, 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 I had I, I had the uh the, the the stats up right in front of me and it timed out and I had to sign back in. Yes. Actually, it's 174. It was the oh, wrong way. 174. Wrong. So you just knew six was wrong. Um yeah, 174 passing yards, but he was 20 of 28. He had a PFF score of 88.5 where I saw a report that that's the highest score of a Steelers quarterback since I think 2018. Um, some one place reported that it was the highest, it was the, the highest score of any quarterback in week 12. That was actually the second highest score of any quarterback in week 12. It was the highest score in a winning effort of any quarterback in week 12. Cause uh, Lamar Jackson actually had a very high score, but uh, I don't care if he has a high score because they didn't win. And I don't care if Kenny Pickett has a high PFF score because the Steelers won, but Kenny Pickett overall, I, I don't think this was some legendary performance. It's not like no. he went out there and tore up, but what did you ultimately think of his performance from last night? It was clean. That's the first yes. word that comes to mind for me. It was a clean performance from Kenny Pickett. And I'm not just talking that he didn't turn the ball over. I thought I thought he had some real nice throws, um, was doing better at getting the ball in the location that he wanted to. Um, was it in the Slack channel day? Was it Jeffrey that brought up about his, uh, his couple of high throws? It was funny. They both kind of had something in common in terms of, I think he was the way he was moving before he threw the ball mm -hmm. and he really just didn't get his lower body set the way that it needed to be, which caused the ball to sail on the two high ones. Um, he, he really just, you know, um, did what he needed to do, used his feet when he needed to, didn't look to when he ran the ball, didn't necessarily need to gain, you know, 25 yards, but you know, when things broke down and he scrambled, get seven, eight yards. Wonderful. Yeah. And I, I thought he was very efficient. I thought he made um, good decisions. I thought I liked the designed quarterback runs. I liked the yeah. gloss, 
Was there two or three? Daniel J. and I, last night, we're trying to remember on the I can only remember two. Yeah. The only thing I didn't like about the second one was you were near the you were near the touchdown zone. Yeah, that so was the defense mm-hmm. wasn't going to back up all that. Wasn't going to be dropped as far off. Yes, but you're right. But um, I don't think they were expecting it either. You, you know what? I would tell you what Coach Tolan would probably say about Kenny Pickett's game last night. He didn't kill us. He didn't kill us. <laughs> that's really? what he, you know, um, he didn't kill us. He, you know, Coach Tolan would say, oh. "Hey, he made the throws and the plays we expected. We expected him to make." Yeah. Or, or you know, then the, you know. It's not like he was making throws into these crazy windows, because you know, because if not, you'd hear everybody Tom else gets a little tight. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not that it was a little tight. Um, so sorry. Just Although the two point conversion pass to, uh, I thought that was great. <laughs> was beautiful. Yeah. I mean, he got a, he and Pickens were on the same wavelength there, and um, that was that was really good. Uh, yes. And that was actually a really tight window to get that ball into. Yes. Now I I would like to 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 I want to talk about some specific times of the game and what it comes with Kenny Pickett. But before we do that, I I I feel like I have to ask you the rushing attack with Najee Harris in and out of the game in the first half. You could tell he was trying to come in and go until finally it was too much and they had to take him off the field. Um, but you know that the Steelers had the ball, and it was just before halftime, and he's going into the locker room. But Benny Snell Jr. got his first offensive snaps last week. He had three snaps, no touches. Got his first carries this week. Anthony McFarland Jr. was brought up from the practice squad because Jalen Warren was ruled out. Both those guys, I think, did an excellent job. Give me your overall thoughts on on the on what I like to call the juniors. Um, yes. both Benny Snell Jr. Okay. and Anthony McFarland Jr. Here's what I like about both of them. And it's funny because actually Najee's getting back to doing this. It's like they've all they all took a look at that undrafted rook and said, hmm, maybe we need to just get the ball and go. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, actually, and what I actually really liked about Benny Snell, a couple of his runs is he took the ball and went but saw the cutback lane as he got through the line and and made the cutback for the extra yards. He didn't pause he didn't pause or anything to look for one. It's just as he hit, he realized, oh, let me slide to the left just a tad and get some more yards. And he did it. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to bring it up right now because I want to I'd really like to give the exact quote of Coach Tomlin. Uh, what he said about these about the the two players. I thought this was really uh, a good way to put it. He says, and this is what he said. He was asked specifically, you'll be able to see this tomorrow in my players mentioned article. Um, he said, um, what did you like most about what those two guys did? Was what he was said. He said, I thought they stayed within their skill set. Benny is a deliberate one-cut downhill runner. Ant Mac, who we know, Anthony McFarland Jr., is bursty and explosive and good in space. I just thought they leaned on their strengths. Yeah. And I'll tell you, the in terms of Ant Mac, the thing I, I saw and liked the most was we finally got a screen called when the other team wasn't didn't have it totally figured out. We were going to run a screen, and it looked nice. Yes, screen to a running back and look nice. 
Um, I thought they 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 came in and the running game didn't lose a beat. That's the I mean, they yeah. were more efficient runners than Najee Harris, but Najee Harris was also trying to fight through an injury. Remember that some people are like, oh well, look, look, Najee Harris couldn't do what they did. Najee Harris was hurting. He was he was getting tackled and coming up and going to the sidelines because he was dealing with something. So it was wise because they were being effective that he wasn't out there because they were being more effective because they weren't running injured. Um, really liked what they did in the running game. Now, we've, we focus on the offense. We're going to stay focused on the offense for a little bit here as we go. Sure. Because I want to ask you a question. Let, let's start with just the first half. Okay. We can bring up the defense, you know, zero yards surrendered in the first quarter. Yeah, zero yards. You know, seven yards rushing, minus seven yards passing, no completions, one sack. Um, that that was pretty special uh, to do that. And and the offense, the only time they they punted was after the interception, and that was they were in at the edge of field goal range, and then gave up two sacks in three plays. Other than that, they that's what they were doing in the first half. Are you concerned that as dominant as the Steelers were in that first half, that they were that they only had 16 points to, to speak for themselves? Um not overly. Not overly. I am because a little if, bit. <laughs> uh, no, because if you stop thinking that. Yes, the defense was dominant, but minus minus the one possession, the Steelers' offense had one what I consider to be pretty bad possession in the first half, and it was off the Pierre interception. Yeah, where the penalties and the sacks even took them out of field goal range. They ended up having to punt. Yeah. Okay. Other than that, I wasn't all that upset. If you told me that this Steelers team, but let's just you know. Play it strictly by a numbers thing here. If you told me that this Steelers team could be a good enough team to score 16 points a half, meaning 32 points a game, Mm -hmm. would you take it? I would. But the my thing is, is you've got you're not going to have the same opportunities all game. No. To just double the points, they had a they had their opportunities in the first half much more than in the second half. Well, they might and have. When you don't take the advantage half, of those opportunities, it, they might have had more opportunities in the second half to score several more points if we quit going three and out. Yeah, I, I, I to me, when you put points on the board, I like. I am even okay with a one to one ratio of touchdown to field goal. I mean, I'm okay with that. If you if if you get one drive that's a touchdown, one that's a field goal, one's a touchdown, one's a field goal, rather than one touchdown and three times having to settle for a field goal, that's ultimately what I'd like to. I would have liked to see them put one more of those scoring drives in the touchdown zone. And if if you would have done if if you if they would have done that, I would have called that almost, you know as close to perfect as a young team could be, you know, uh, but with meaning having with reasonable expectations, that's the one thing with me is I, I would have really liked to see them have 
20 points in that half because I felt that they were set up to do it. They just couldn't quite finish it off. Um, even just one of those. So I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm, you could say it's nitpicking, but I'm also saying there's, there could be times where because they had to settle for three field goals in a half that that could come back and bite them. So it didn't, now, it was fine this game. Let, but that's something ask, moving forward. Okay. Let me ask you something. I would trust, especially after what we had for a performance for the defense in the first half, Mm -hmm. I would have trusted that as points. See, my disappointment comes in the second half defense. Yeah. (laughs) Well, let's just say the second half did not get going in the right direction. Correct. Um, I was saying, I think I said it in the Slack channel, I was like, does Miles Boykin as a gunner being out, has he missed that bad on on kickoffs? But I didn't think about it until Coach Tomlin talked about it today that two of their better guys on kickoffs are Miles Boykin and Robert Spillane. They were missing, I would say, two of their top four defenders on kickoffs. Now, guess what? It's special teams. You've got to be able to step up, and the next man should be able to take care of it. So that, and they knew they were going to, well, they were both questionable, but they had a good idea that they were both going to be out. So that's one that, that bothered me. Do you think maybe they were surprised that a kick eight yards deep into the end zone was brought out? Yes. You know, I was. Yeah. I don't know if the players running down the field know how deep the ball's going to know all of it. Right. Yeah. But, you know, I, I saw some people complaining, oh, this, you could talk about the kicker not missing any kicks. Those kickoffs that they were allowed to return. Who runs it out eight yards deep? Is Boz kicking them eight yards deep every time? No. No. I can I can tell you who runs them out from eight yards deep, though. That would be the, the Indianapolis Colts. <laughs> No, 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 yeah. no. I know yeah. a guy that no. regularly would bring it out from eight yards deep. Uh-huh. Devin Hester. Yeah, that's something that he would do. I, I didn't I honestly I didn't think the Colts, but maybe because they had decent returns in the first half, they're like, you know what? We're gonna run this one out no matter what. If, if no, I, I think it was uh, honestly, he had the guy had some decent returns in the first half, and mm-hmm. I think he was feeling it and basically said, Coach, I want to bring it out no matter where it's at. I'm feeling it. And they let him. Yeah. They needed a spark, and they got it. Yeah. Yep. And that long kickoff, I mean, they were they were set up in the red zone. It didn't take very long to score. The Steelers come out, and my goodness, the third quarter offense, once again, it was a three and out. It was an incompletion. Was that one of the off-target throws to Deontay Johnson? Um. I was I was updating my Najee Harris article and actually didn't see it was on TV and I heard it but I what didn't see exactly yeah, what went it, wrong with that play. Could, it could have been. Yeah. And uh, some people I think I think it was. There there's something coming that people were bringing up that I can't wait to correct cuz this is going to be a big a big uh talking point to let everyone know how much a lot of the national media are wrong. Um but we'll get there. Um so the third quarter offense, but you know, incompletion. Uh, you know 
I think yeah. some of that with the third quarter offense, I'm going to get back to the Steelers' last possession in the first half. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where they, where they got the ball, 12 plays, 68 yards, and settled for the field goal. Mm-hmm. The play calling when the Steelers got to first and goal, mm-hmm. I felt was weak. That we we didn't play that the way I would have liked to seen that played. And I think that carried over into the second half. I'm wondering now if it's starting to get mental with the third quarter with the players and even maybe the play callers. Mm -hmm. I don't know, but think about this. Remember how last week, so many people, I know you were Jeff Harmon was one complaining about the Steelers running on second and long so much. You know what they did on the second play of the third quarter that they had the ball. They ran it on second and 10. Yes. And they got nine yards. Yes. And it was beautiful. Then they ran to the line quickly and ran again out of shotgun. That's what I got. You saw yeah. my knee. I, I don't know if you read yeah. my knee jerk. Uh, oh, that, I added your knee jerk. Oh, that's you're right. You were in there while I'm writing. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, well, I couldn't see that it was you. I just knew somebody yeah. was in there. I figured it yeah. was you. Um, that annoyed me to no end. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, if you're going to run and go quick, just run up and do the sneak. Yeah. Because you know a run's coming. Why give your running back, you know, that, you know, where you have to wait for the snap and then hand it to him, where he can't get going Andy's forward. Al- Andy's already four yards behind the line. Yeah. Now, some people are like, well, why'd they go quick? Why'd they do that? Oh, that, that then made it a three and out really fast. To me, I think the Steelers, because it was second and long, they liked the defense they were going to have to go up against on third and short. Yes. But if you like that defense that you're going up against on third and short, go run the sneak. Don't you know? Don't get in, don't yeah. get in a formation that you would expect to see in second and long. So yeah, yeah. So so that was just one of those things. And one play killed the drive. You know, um, you know, because uh, the Steelers did not put themselves on on either of these three and outs. They did not put themselves in a bad situation on third down. It was third and one. And third and two. So yep. the, then, you know, the, the the Steelers have to punt it away. The Colts drive all the way down. They, they kick a field goal. Oh, penalty, offsides. I still say, hey, those calls sometimes frustrate me the way they call it because when you watch the replay, In slow Cam motion. Sutton got back. He did. But, in but real you can't time, do you that. Can't, <laughs> you can't do it. That's hard. To, that would, that, I mean, you can see that in slow-mo. You're not going to. You're going to get that call to get you every time, pretty much in real time. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah, in real time, you're not. I mean, <clears throat> because because of what happened there. But they go down, take the points off the board. They're there. They're they, then they get the pass interference on Minka Fitzpatrick. Um, at first, I didn't think it was, but on replay, I saw his arm was wrapped around. I didn't see it live. Um, and then the fumble. And how I still wonder how Matt Ryan didn't get that ball that Chris Wormley was able to come in and get it. Um, that could, was a if, huge play in that game. Actually, if you got a real good shot in there, you could see that as as Ryan fell and went to, he was going to fall and just kind of cradle it. Yeah. But what it was is as he fell on it, 
his body hit the side of it and it squirted, squirted. from him a little bit. And, and it kind of hit his hand a little bit so it didn't go flying yeah. out. Right. But it kept him from being able to grab it and allowed Wormley to just come in. And then Wormley just muscled it. it away from him. So. Yeah. I mean, that that's huge. That Because the third quarter was about as bad as it could be in that aspect. That's the only thing that ultimately saved the quarter and the game. Because they don't score there. The Steelers three and out. That's the one on third down where Kenny Pickett gives the throw. It was a low throw, but it might have been a designed low throw for him to go to the ground like he did on the two-point conversion. And something with George Pickens, the way it might have been his route where he was doing, his yeah, arms were, were weird. Just, yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure what that was yeah. all about. But. Yeah, so that's – that's that's a play that they should have had that they just didn't execute, killed a drive again. I mean, but it was a third and two. So it wasn't like it was it was you put the rookie quarterback in a terrible situation. Then what do they do? They give up the they, they get the ball back, they give up the touchdown right before the end of the quarter. And I'm already doing my numbers and calculating what the Steelers did on offense in the third quarter. Then they get the ball again. And what do they do? They get an incompletion and a one-yard run end of the quarter. They ended up with 18 yards in the third quarter. 18 yards. 18 yards. But as soon as the quarter ended and they went to the fourth quarter, it was just like everything mentally changed. Everything that they couldn't do, they turned around the very first play, 13 yards to George Pickens, add on 15 for the roughing the passer, and they're just off. And they're they're you know they're just off. They're mixing up run, they're mixing up pass, they're mixing up everything, and they go down, score. Kenny Pickett gave the in, input that he wanted to run that play that Benny Snell scored on, and then they ran a great two point conversion. And what did the defense then turn around and do? It was a whole new quarter. They flipped the script on the Colts. They held them to a three and out. So would have liked I to just, seen not just three and out, no yards. Yeah, I would have liked to see the Steelers. That was one, the that last drive, um, was that one that's, that was a sack. It was a sack that, that held them up yeah. on that drive. But the switch that went off from the third to fourth quarter is what I can't get. That it was like, it was a whole new team. It was a whole new offense when they went to the fourth quarter. It was just crazy. Well, before I get any more with you on this, because I, I got some other good stuff to talk about, we're going to take our quick break. Um, if you're here with us, Facebook, YouTube, we're not going anywhere. If you're with us on the audio side, we'll be back right after these messages. And we are back, Pittsburgh Steeler fans, with part two of the Scobro Show. Behind the Steel Curtain Editor Dave Schofield still here. Rich is here to start it off this time. He was, you know, we we got the show started a little bit as he's there um, in his office putting in a late night. Rich, still still doing good? Still breathing in yeah. from the other night. Yeah. So it was really great because I talked about the week before how the Steelers played complimentary football. Offensive defense. Every time the defense gave up a touchdown to the Bengals in the first half, the Steelers answered with a touchdown. And then they didn't do complimentary football in the second half. Once again, they were anti-complimentary football in the third quarter. But the fourth quarter, they got right back into it. Really made um, some, some, some good things. I want to get into something because this is a big narrative out there. Some people have already said it. The criticism... Uh, I know this is the Steelers podcast, but we're going to turn this back to the Steelers because we're going to go back to the first half. The criticism of the Indianapolis Colts, quote-unquote, mismanagement of the clock at the end of the game. You know uh, what? 
I'm with you. I'm with you on this one. That was not clock mis- mismanagement. He no, did a great not. job. He did a great job. And people that say, oh, we missed If they no, convert he- that fourth down, there's 24 seconds left around the 20-yard line or better, and you've got two timeouts. You've got four or five plays there easy. He was n- making sure he didn't – two things. Wasn't leaving the Steelers any time to answer with a field goal or anything like that, one. And – Two, he was doing everything he could to save all three timeouts in case they didn't come through with the conversion so they could use the timeouts, have the Steelers only have a 10-second drive, and at least get the ball back again. It was a good philosophy. And when he made this – now, where where I would call some mismanagement was they took some too much time on a couple of those plays. On the sack, it was 36 seconds from snap to snap. They could have gone faster. They could have had a little bit more urgency, but I wouldn't have used the time out there. Right. After the quarterback scramble, that was the one where they wasted 25 seconds before. Yeah, they went. Yeah. Tried to get lined up and get it and take the time out. And the reason it took so long is because I think uh, Saturday came out today and said that he didn't realize that what his personnel was and what their previous formation was that caused the guys to have to really move around, mm-hmm. which then they didn't call a conducive formation for where players ended up the previous day. Yes. Yes. Okay. So I, I could agree with that, but the idea behind it is the opposite of what the Steelers did, which to me, they completely mismanaged the clock at the end of the first half. Yep. Why are you taking timeouts at that point of the game? That's the thing that was driving me crazy. The Pittsburgh Steelers, I'll even tell you exactly exactly where they were. They, they, they get the ball with under four minutes left. They're moving down. They get in the two-minute warning. They take a timeout at a minute 28 when it, when it was, when it's second down and four on the Colts 22nd, 27th, 20, 27 yard line. Okay. And then two plays later, they take a timeout at a minute 17 when it's going to be a second and eight at the 20. Um, yeah, because that's a second and eight. Sorry. The first one was second and four at the 27 and then they got the first down and then it was second and eight at the 20. Yeah. The problem when you take the timeouts there, that's what you had three timeouts. Let the clock run down inside a minute because here's the right. reasoning behind it. Use the timeouts with less than 30 seconds left to give yourself opportunities to get in the end zone. I like 45. 45 is kind of if if you're inside, if you're in field goal range, I would say inside 45 seconds. If you're inside, let's say the the, the in, in the red zone, like maybe in the 15 yard line, then I'd even do 30 because you know you're not going to need that many plays to to score. And and if you especially when you have all three timeouts, because what you ultimately did by calling your timeouts to make sure you had more than enough time. When the Pittsburgh Steelers on second and 10, where Kenny Pickett ran ran to the seven-yard line for three yards, the Colts called the timeout with 105 left. At that moment, that's when you know that you've screwed up. When they're calling timeouts because they know you've given them enough time, that's when you messed up with taking your timeouts too early. Because if you let the, the clock run down, and let's say you don't – 
let, let's even say everything plays out exactly how it, how it does, and you don't take that first timeout. That means when that play occurs on that second timeout, instead of taking it at a minute 17, you're taking it at probably 47 seconds, maybe 50 seconds. I'm fine with that timeout. And that's your first one. Because now, then the Colts are like, oh, the Steelers have plenty of time to do what they're doing uh, at the 10-yard line um, at that point. And and do you really want to use timeouts to help them? Or are you, you know, because you could say that was a risk when Indy took a timeout because it was going to be third and seven from the seven. Yeah, take the timeout because either they're going to score a touchdown on that play or they're going to kick a field goal on the following play and you're going to get the get the ball with just under a minute left. That's giving them too much time. The Steelers, luckily, the defense played well enough that they didn't get in near enough range. They went for the long field goal and Isaiah Loudermilk blocked it. But to me... You could have played that where they didn't even where, where even if there was some time, the best option for them was to take a knee. But the Colts, on the other hand, they were playing. We are going to keep this ball. The reason I'm saying it wasn't clock mismanagement. Tell me if this is right. I know I'm 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 kind of I'm, I'm kind of preaching a little bit. But here's the two aspects of clock clock mismanagement. You do one of two things. Either one, you run out of time. Or two, you allow too much time for the other team. Right. And did the Colts run out of time? No. No, they did not run out of time. They got stopped. They did not convert. So it wasn't any kind of clock mismanagement. The Steelers stopped them on fourth down. That's what that's what ended it. If the Colts didn't do no mismanagement of the clock led to the Colts loss. It was the, it was the Steelers stop and the Colts non-conversion, whichever way you want to look at it, that ended that drive. The game did not end because they didn't have enough time left. So it's not clock mismanagement because they would have had plenty of time to run. I mean, do you think they would have needed more than four or five plays from the 20 yard line? Right. I mean, maybe one more, but I mean, that's plenty. Right. If they, if they convert the fourth down there, you're talking, they probably convert it and use a timeout. So then they've got one timeout left and they've got 20, almost 30 seconds left, probably 28, yeah. 29 seconds and still have a timeout, which means they can still make one more play somewhere in the middle of the field from the 20 yard line coming in mm-hmm. and be able to stop the clock. Yeah. Um, I don't want to say that it was, I, I I don't want folks to get the wrong idea and me think saying, no, it was, it was smart. I, I didn't know. I don't want to say that what they did was the, was the, once smartest. you make the decision to go with that strategy, you've got to go with it. Correct. And you got to go with it the whole way. Yeah. And you know, they had to look at it early in that drive. I mean, when they converted the fourth and three at the 37 of of Pittsburgh, it was, you know, at that point in time, you're thinking, okay, I want to have all my timeouts because if we don't convert this fourth and three, it's not over. It's not over. Yeah. Now, be- because they ended up taking that, that first timeout at 30 seconds left, right? Because of that, when they didn't convert the fourth and three, 
game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because they could, they didn't have enough timeouts to stop it. Yeah. You know, the, the, but, but really the play for the Steelers was, so if you really want to stop and think about it, the play for the Steelers was made by Alex Highsmith on that third down play. Oh, there was more than one made on that, on that, on that series. No, but what I'm saying though is, is yeah. that third down play forcing them to take that timeout. Yeah. Then after that play, like if they convert the first down on third down and take that timeout, they're sitting really pretty. I mean, really pretty. Because now you're talking there to 20, probably 23 or in yard line, two timeouts and a new set of downs. Yeah. There's all kinds of stuff they can do. Yeah. Yeah. But Alex Highsmith stopping Jonathan Taylor on that play really then Highsmith forced the change of strategy onto the Colts. You know, you because then them. there wasn't going to be enough time. They had Correct. to do it there. Correct. So he, what, you know, you said, once you pick something, you go with it. Until and you then, can't anymore. <laughs> until you can't, right. Until you can't yeah. anymore. And Alex Highsmith made a really nice play. So they couldn't anymore. Yeah. And, and so the, so with the Highsmith play, it was also the sack because the, the, that was really big because the Steelers needed a nice negative play there to, to just give them a little bit of cushion of what it was going to take to get that first down. Yes. Matt Ryan, if you call I mean, he scrambled. <laughs> I mean, it he probably looked a little bit faster than Ben Roethlisberger did last year, if you know what I mean, <laughs> at times. But uh, he, he 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 did that scramble. But think about what that scramble does if it wasn't right after that sack, if it wasn't that they were faced with a second and 17. So right. you get the sack, then it has the scramble. But they were set up there well, on, on third and three to, you know, hand off to, to the one of the top three running backs in the league get the first down, then we're calling our timeouts. They knew they were going to call a timeout at that play. They just assumed it would yeah. be after the first down. Right. That was and it. They, and, and they came up to run it. You know, I, I understood what they were – well, I want to say what they were wanting to try to do after that second 17 play is because they had the Steelers on second 17. They, they had the Steelers in, I don't know, nickel or dime. Right, mm-hmm. had him in something like that, and they thought, ah, we've got the defense we want them to have out on the field mm-hmm. for us to run the ball. Where they did the favor for the Steelers was not being able to get up onto the ball so quickly. Wasted twenty. It was. I think I had it. It was twenty. Like it was. It was twenty some seconds from snap to snap. Right. You know, because yes. you got to remember how long the play took. Because you know, right? It was twenty nine. I mean, it was how long did it take Ryan to run to run fourteen yards? Right. It was twenty nine <laughs> seconds from snap to snap. Yeah. And the fact that it took them a second to line up at least gave the Steelers' defensive front the chance to gather themselves. Yeah. You know, Alex Highsmith had a second to make sure he was lined up where he wanted to be. He looked at at the offensive alignment and it was almost like he figured out what they were going to try to do. And he made the play. Like he knew what they were going to run. You know, yes. (laughs) One of those infamous things Um, to me that, I mean, between the sack and then that stop on that run, those, those were the defensive plays 
you know, of the drive, possibly the game, because that was that's what won them the game, um, making that stop. So to me, what what that was all about was stopping it. And when I say that I thought it was about clock management, I, I get why they didn't take the timeouts there because you don't mind the time getting down because you don't want to leave it for the Steelers. But I'm I, I almost have to. I'm curious. I think they could have stopped the clock on the sack because it was also a fumble. But because I think it was an obvious recovery, they didn't and let it right. go. Um, because that could have actually helped the Colts out a lot with their time stuff if they had stopped it. Because, because, but that actually cost a little bit of time too, because they went to set the ball and then they had to reset the ball because you had to go back to the original spot of the of the fumble. Fumble. Yep. So that honestly, the Colts could have a little. They could could take a little bit of issue with that, but they didn't run out of time. They just got stopped. Yeah. So time ended up not being an issue um, with all that stuff. But, man, it, so those were two different ways of playing out um, the end of a half. And, I, you know, I didn't like the way the Steelers did in the first half. The Colts almost got three points from it, but the defense played well enough that they, that, that they, that they did it. But my point is that the defense shouldn't have even been put in a situation where they had to keep them from, from getting into field goal range. Um, and then – of course, ultimately the Steelers, it didn't matter if there was 20 seconds left or a minute and 20 seconds left when they got that stop, that it was going to do it. So the, the time didn't matter there. But ultimately, the defense got the stops when they needed to in the fourth quarter. The offense, you know, answered. Kenny Pickett got his, it, this was his first come from behind victory. It was, it was not his first fourth quarter victory. Because they were tied two weeks before whenever they scored in the fourth quarter. So um, I was really happy with how this really, with with this progressed. I think the offense is showing improvement any, every week, specifically Kenny Pickett. Uh, any, real quick, offensive line. I kind of had a disagreement with Jeff Hartman. He put Dan Moore Jr. in the losers list. I'm like, the dude gives up a sack where Kenny Pickett steps up into it. It wasn't a good play for Moore. He the, he let the guy get him lean to the outside to really yeah. beat him hard to the inside, and Kenny Pickett happened to be moving that way. It was it was just one of those things. And but after flagged, that, and he and he got flagged for a hold. Got flagged for a hold early. Yeah. But after that, he really turned around and played well for the rest of the game. So you know, we take oh well, Kenny Pickett had a couple bad throws. Yeah. Dan, Dan Moore Jr. had a couple of bad plays in the first half, but other than he was he was the highest graded pass blocker for the Steelers of the week. Um, I was shocked. It was who was at the bottom of the list for the Steelers was James Daniels and Kevin Dotson. Um, I don't agree with PFF. This is going to be an article that's going to be out on the website tomorrow. They had the Steelers' pass blocking grades as as really high, and their run blocking grades is actually very low. I don't get that. When it didn't matter who was running the ball and the Steelers were, were running well. And Jeffrey Benedict put this in the Slack channel. He's like, that's the problem with PFF is they look at individual matchups and not realizing that it might not look like the individual guys are, are winning the one-on-one battles on a play, but the unit as a whole is, is occupying the right people for the play to be successful. Or like there's there was one play in particular where I, I actually thought of PFF. It was a run that went n 
basically went very nowhere. I think it gained a yard. Yeah. And I'm sure they scored Dan Moore Jr. very low on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. What's funny was they did a replay of the run on the on the game, you know, on the television, you know, broadcast. broadcast. And I noticed that um, it was set up where Dotson and Moore were supposed to hit a double team on, I think it was Ngakwe or somebody there. And then Dotson was to peel off and go second level. Mm-hmm. The problem was Ngakwe crashed the line directly at Dotson. That's what that's what zone blocking is. Two guys are supposed to block the zone, the, the first level and the second level. It's not predetermined who's going to go get him. It's it's based on where he goes and how you can block it. Sometimes they right. go so hard one and way, the other guy's got to go make that block. Right. And Dodson peeled off and and Gakwe already had the angle or, or whatever so bad on, on Moore. And the runner tried to follow Dodson and it went nowhere. Yeah. And I'm like, I was like, Dodson, you guys would have been better off to mm-hmm. hold to try to hold the double team and get three yards than to try to get to the second level for more yards yeah. and get one. Yeah. Yeah. So um it it was all in all. I, it was an exciting game. I was I started to get really discouraged in the third quarter because it did you did you have the infamous here we go again? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And, but they turned it around. Three and outs on the offense and the defense yeah. basically letting them march up and down the field, which the defense, I'm sorry, the defense was letting them move the ball pretty much at will if it wasn't yeah. for that fumble. Yeah. That was yeah. the only positive thing. The fumble was the only positive thing that happened for the defense in the third quarter. You are correct. You know, that's that's really that's that's really about it. But uh but then then you go to, to the fourth quarter, you know. Which by the way, I'm gonna say one more thing about the fumble because mm-hmm. there were some folks on online. I got I got into some of the chats uh on some of the articles, and somebody I think it was on the one where they graded where Jeffrey graded and mm-hmm. somebody was like the defense, the defense, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, no, no, no. The defense was terrible in the second half and particularly the third quarter, you know, cause and they were trying to bring up, Oh, and the defense with the fumble. And I'm like, the defense didn't cause, they that didn't fumble. cause that fumble. They were gifted. Yes. That fumble. Yeah. Nobody hit any player or anything to cause that fumble. The Colts botched it. Mm-hmm. And Wormley was good enough coming through. On the bright side, it looked like Wormley would have blown that play up and it wouldn't have gone anywhere. But um, was lucky enough to get through there and then get his hands on the ball while yeah. it's on the ground. So, you know, we we didn't offensively and defensively, the third quarter was poor. Well, here, the Colts had 19 first downs in the game. 19. 12 of them were in the third quarter. Yeah. You know, it was just, it, it, it was one of those things. But when the defense needed to come out and get the stop, they got the three and out when they needed to do it. They ultimately got the stop to finish the game. And, um, correct. Just like yep. the offense when yeah. we, when 
when the defense gives up that second touchdown and we get down a point, the offense comes right. The offense then came out and answered with a touchdown drive of their own. Yeah. So that, that, that's the positive I'm taking from it. Yes. You know, um, the negative is just that third quarter was pitiful. Yeah, it, it was. And that's, but that's something, um, Jeff Hartman brought that up on the Winners and Losers podcast this morning that when he filled in for me when I was sick and he did the stat geek, he talked about, yeah, the Steelers, they're not on offense. They're not good in the first quarter, but they're even worse in the third quarter. And that was several weeks ago. And we've seen it bad for the really bad the last two games. And think about it, even against the, the, the Saints, they didn't score in the third quarter. Yeah. Um, so the Steelers have no points in the third quarter since the bye. Um, I had a feeling they would have a quarter that they didn't score. I don't know if you heard this in the postgame show. Um, because DraftKings went live in Maryland. I was showing you some of the some of the stuff where I got the I, free bets. I, I listened, I listened to the postgame show this morning while I was working. And yes, I heard that you got that I had a ten. I I just went crazy just to do it to be crazy because I wanted to see how much it would be where I would win if they all hit, and I went a ten leg parlay, ten legs, and I picked them all myself, and I hit nine of them (laughs) because Pat Fairmuth didn't hit fifty yards. I mean, I had I had the Steelers points, I had the touchdowns, I had, you know, I you know I, I had another one that I did hit. Um. Oh, no, I had another one that was a four-leg that I missed one. The only thing that I missed was a Kenny Pickett passing touchdown. Um, he just needed one. But this one, you know, it had Kenny Pickett rushing yards. It had it had um, the Steelers go a quarter without scoring. The Colts go a quarter without scoring. That they, you know, a bunch of crazy stuff. Would have, would have won me 500 bucks, and that's all I missed it. But you know what? If the Steelers give up a touchdown there and go to overtime, I might have been $500 richer. I might have lost one of the other bets. I don't care because, to me, the Steelers getting the win was more important. That's right. So we focused a ton on this game. I didn't know that we were going to go as long because I know you need to get home and everything else. Right. And here we are still going. We focused on this game because it was 24 hours ago. And end, end of story. I mean, it was – it. were we into the fourth quarter yet? At at ten thirty Monday night, that's I'm not sure because we might have been re- reliving some of those bad third quarter vibes because it was twenty four exactly twenty four hours uh, from it. But let's go ahead and hit this week. The Steelers go to Atlanta. We are playing back to back games in a dome. They went from being slight underdogs to slight favorites. Atlanta lost a heartbreaker in Washington when they were there to score, and the ball gets tipped up and intercepted in the end zone. Um. Rich, what are your thoughts? Are, are you ready to give a score? Ah, while you think of your score, and remember, don't put your scores out there in the live chat yet. We'll, we'll get them all in just a minute. I'm going to tell you where I'm concerned is even though it's one day, it's a short week going on the road. It's a short week going on the road. So you have to take that into consideration. And it's not a familiar opponent. It's an opponent that you only play every four years. So unfamiliar opponent on the road, short week, but maybe the unfamiliarity with the Falcons, with the Steelers will work to their advantage more. I don't know. So it's not like this is just a slam dunk. I do like the way the offense is going. There's still going to be challenges with it. Rich, what is your score prediction for Sunday at one o'clock in Atlanta? 
Uh, score prediction. Uh, Steelers do a good job on running the football, and I am going to go with um, Steelers 23, Falcons 17. 23, seven, very close to this week's score. Um, I mean, but and that's the reason we get. I, I had the, the title of the show is the short stack. Can the Steelers stack a win? So Rich is saying the Steelers are going to stack the win. You all now have the I opportunity. Actually, you know what? Yeah. I might want to change that a little bit. It might be like 20 to 17. Okay, 20 to 17. Okay. And you still have the right to change it for the article. Um, so if I'm, you put I'm your gonna score... leave it now at 23, but I leave my right to change it. If I do change it, probably be to 20 to 17, and it'll be based on what I'm seeing injury report. Okay, out. there you go. I, I get you. I got you. Um, so when you go to put this in the live chat, if you just put a score, we're going to assume you mean Steelers win. Put your scores out there. We'll bring them up. Thomas Riley, he was ready to go. Steelers 33, Falcons 19. Thinking that the offense is going to break out even a little bit more. Here we go. Claude Bishop says 27-17 black and gold. Oh, whoop, missed it. Daniel Red says 23-21 Steelers. Kevin Brokenborough says 27-13 Steelers. Kathy Forrid, hey, Kathy, um, hopefully you you uh, received your book back by now. Um, uh, shoot me an email, let me know that you got that. She has 24-13 Steelers. Harvey Stone Jr. has Steelers 31-21. Thomas Eads the fourth says 21-14 Steelers. Um, DJ E's. I don't know if that's right or not. 31-13. You tell me every week and I still mess it up. 31-13 Steelers. Uh, Jay Hanna has 23-22 Steelers. John Walter has 24-20 Steelers. They said sleepwalking to another win. Um, we're much later tonight than we normally have, so we probably don't have nearly as many scores. Oh, here's Sherry Richards. Hey, Can't Sherry. miss Sherry. Sherry's here every show as well. 27-16 Steelers. To, to me, anytime you're talking about a Steelers game, there's going to be some field goals thrown in there just because the Steelers are going to not be able to finish off every drive. I'd be shocked if the Steelers have a game this year that are all touchdowns and no field goals. They haven't had one yet. Well, trying to think, you know, definitely not in a winning for because it was just three against Buffalo. The Eagle, I can't remember, but that's something that I look for in a lot of these games with the Steelers um, and their opponents because I think the Steelers' defense can often hold the teams to field goals. Reginald Rivers has 27-20 Steelers, um, and Dusk Thunder 9 has Falcons 17 Steelers, 21 run game plays well. I, I, I think that's the key. With the Steelers can run the ball, that's – that's kind of the, the the magic ingredient that people are like, oh well, can Kenny Pickett? Oh my goodness, who who thinks he's going to be the future? He he only threw for 174 yards, uh, on you know, he oh. only had to throw the ball 28 times. Yep, hold on, yeah, bringing that up. That's where I got into one on the live chat. Today. Oh, uh, yeah, I, you and haven't checked it. You know I why? Actually, I responded yeah, to the person that responded you? to you <laughs> because I'll tell you what, I went in and I pulled the stats and. And Ben Roethlisberger's rookie season, mm -hmm. um, of the 14 games in the regular season he played, yeah, 10 of the 14 he threw for less than 200 yards. Yeah, three of those 10, yeah, was like under 150, in, uh, under 140. Under they were all in the yeah. one, they were all in the 130s. Yeah, the interesting thing there is you're talking, we had an 
dominant offensive line and some good running game and a defense, great defense, great defense. Yeah, they were all wins. Yes. Well, when the response was, "Well, that was twenty years ago," the NFL's. Di- you know what? Just because the whole NFL is different doesn't mean that's a cookie cutter. That that's all you can do to win. Because guess what? I I came back with the answer of, look at. I mean, the Ravens aren't aren't prescribing to that. Right. Lamar, I I was looking. At, it was Lamar Jackson throwing when he throws over. 200, I think, it, I can't remember the numbers, but it was like if it was over 220 yards, uh, he's only done it three times this season, and the, the Ravens are one and two in those games. If it's over 250 yards, he's done it, it, it only two of them, and, he's, and they're 0 and 2. When he has to throw for a bunch of yards, they don't win. It doesn't mean, just because the NFL is different and there's a lot of passing, doesn't mean that that has to be how every team has to do it. Because look at the Steelers. I mean, look at even from way back and even more recent. Look at Ben Roethlisberger in the postseason. There was a gap in there. I can't remember because this was – I've moved on from Ben Roethlisberger because we study – you know, we love Big Ben, but we're also focused on, on the Steelers now. And there was a range of like 100 yards in there of where he'd never hit in the postseason. He would either be like over 300 and some yards and every one of them was a loss. Or he'd be under under – um, it was like over 350 yards, but if he was under 250, they were they were wins. Yep. That that's that's really when you look at it, that's the NFL. When quarterbacks don't have to throw for that many yards, that's where it comes down to. I've got more scores to get to, but that was a great get point, him, Rich. Get them real quick. Yep. Demetrios, 27-20 Steelers. Um, James Tresvant. Sorry, we didn't see it the game, James. Um, but, but 29 uh, a couple weeks ago, 29-17 Steelers. Uh, CD says Pittsburgh 31, Atlanta 6. Um, let's see, because James already got yours, and I think that's it. So, yep. want to know, I think tomorrow we get um, the cutting room floor because it got pushed back a day. It's going to be thrown in as extra podcast. Other than that, I think we're back to being on track from, so. uh, from the condensed down schedule uh, with everything. So, you'll be back to the regular audio and um, and YouTube shows because you know there was a, a hangover earlier tonight. Um, and the preview's back on Thursday. I'm happy to be back at that one. I, I didn't get to do it Sunday because of um our, our uh the, the visitation and everything with the funeral that we had. Um who make sure you're checking out the website because we still got a lot of stuff coming at you. We really do. I tell you what, I'm ready to get out of here. I'm zapped for being up late last night. I know you got to get home. So, Rich, give us your final thoughts as we head out of here and as the Steelers look to stack their win, stack some wins on a short week. There you go. Uh, that's what i like to see. We've had no problem. We've stacked some losses here and there this year. We've yet to stack some wins. Yeah. Um, this is a good week to get that first stacking of wins. It's a good opportunity playing a team that, you know, uh, if you look at it on paper, it should be, a, you know, at least very, very competitive with. Um so it's just up to which sealer team are we going to see? Um, and can we continue to play good complimentary football? You know, title of the show is the short stacks. Right now I'm thinking pancakes. I got to go home and get some dinner. Can't wait. <laughs>